Does our faith hinder our healing? Does the very thing that is supposed to be the cornerstone of our strength and our wholeness and the abundant life that we're promised act as an impediment to all of the promises that we were given in the scripture? Many of us are part of churches or faith-based communities that are of the idea that Jesus is all we need. However, we never take into account how we are not only spiritual beings, but we are natural beings as well. So as a result, we've learned to be dismissive of our thoughts, feelings, or experiences, and also the thoughts, feelings, and experiences of others that make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. In this episode, we do a little bit of a deep dive into how we got here, how we started to develop these attitudes toward mental health and the treatment of our mental health and wellness, and how we can start moving to more healthy, informed ways of the ways in which we care for ourselves and our mental health. I'm Brittany Harrison, self-proclaimed certified church girl who just happens to have a master's degree in clinical counseling. This podcast talks about approaching life's problems using logos or the divine reasoning of God. I believe the care and feeding of a Christian requires more than just prayer. That's right. I said it. We need more than prayer added to our toolkit of life. You don't have to choose between your faith and maintaining your mental wellness there's a beautiful synergy that exists for an optimal human experience. I promise this is a safe space and a soft place to land. Welcome to the Logos Podcast. So before we jump into this topic, it's important that we start at the beginning. When do we really start paying attention to psychology? So psychology is known as a soft science, and it is called a soft science because typically the subject matter uh, are humans. So there aren't a lot of rigorous tests and experiments um, because there are a lot of ethical boundaries that we just don't want to cross for the sake of science. So a long time ago, Uh, a gentleman by the name of Wilhelm Wundt. Uh, He is actually German. If you're looking to look him up uh, after the podcast, it's important to note that um, both his first name and his last name both start with the W. If you are looking at it on YouTube, it will appear on the screen here for you now. And he is known as the father of experimental psychology. He actually opened the first psychology lab in 1879. This was the first psychology lab in the world. He used experimental methods to understand humans and human behavior and the ways in which we responded to stimuli or our environments. It's important to call out here that this was the first lab used for experiments and not teaching. Although teaching was done in the experimental labs, the purpose of the labs were for experimentation. Wilhelm Wundt's lab gave an opportunity for more psychologists who had passion around the topic, spread psychology throughout the world, which is why psychology is as diverse as it is now. So when we think about experiments, you try a bunch of different methods, you have a lot of different hypotheses, and you predict different outcomes. However, There came a time when there were behaviors that were completely unexplainable, completely outside of the range of what would be considered the norm. So during this time in history, when you would see behaviors like this, the assumption was it was either something spiritual or metaphysical or just flat out demon possession. Now, I know that this is a hot button topic uh, in the Christian community when we are talking about mental illness. We'll get into that a little bit later. Because these scientists assumed that the behaviors were 
a result of a demonic influence to rid the mentally ill of these unclean or demonic spirits, some of the methods that were used were not exactly humane. For example, attempts at exorcisms were done. Some may have been submerged in cold baths. Some experienced electric shock therapy, which of course was not very therapeutic at all. Some were giving some really harmful and harsh medications. And in some more severe cases, this is a little bit more graphic, they would literally drill holes in the skulls of those suffering from mental illness because surely if the mental illness is in your brain, if we make an exit way for the spirit to escape, then maybe you'll experience some relief that way. There's no scientific evidence to prove that any of these methods would actually work. As we moved into the mid-1900s, we started to see people calling out the awful treatment of mentally ill, and we started to see insane asylums make attempts at improving the conditions in which the mentally ill were living in. It still was not good, but it was better. So it really got me to thinking, if historically this was the picture of mental illness, it's no wonder why people would want to distance themselves from anything that even resembled mental illness, even in its mildest forms. It sent the message that if you struggled with any type of mental illness, even some of the less severe diagnoses, what happens if it progresses? So then we start to form these ideas about what mental illness looks like, or the characteristics assigned to someone who is mentally ill. Typically, you would maybe view someone as unpredictable or fragile. So many walk through life suffering silently, doing their best to cope with something that they really do not understand. So what does this now look like if you are a person of faith? You're told to trust and believe. You're told to name it and claim it. Or you start to hear that if your relationship with God is how it should be, you wouldn't be experiencing these dark thoughts or feelings. Typically in Christian culture, we have church leaders. And church leaders have a lot of influence in the ways in which parishioners live their lives, how they raise their families, how they manage their finances, how they're raising their children. In the first episode, I shared how I was really immersed in my church culture and the impact that it had on my life, even into adulthood. The norm is to rely heavily on what your spiritual leader is advising or suggesting that you do or don't do. The trouble with this is sometimes even the most well-intentioned are sharing misinformation about some really serious topics, mental health being one of them. So while we're talking about this, it's important that we're leaving room for empathy and understanding the frame of reference that many of the spiritual leaders may have had, especially those who are older. Specifically in the Black community, there has been a history of mistrust with medical professionals. Layering that with how they maybe were improperly taught about mental health and wellness, just based on some of the things that I've mentioned about the treatment of those who were mentally ill, it's no wonder they would advise their congregants not to go and seek help for any type of mental or emotional issues that they may have been dealing with. However, some spiritual leaders are not so well-intentioned. They look to be the end-all be-all for their parishioners or their church members. They want all of the answers to be found within themselves so that their members become reliant on them and don't consider looking outside of them or the church for answers. And this unfortunately is the danger in looking at pastors and preachers as the go-between for you and God. 
Oftentimes we see spiritual leaders as a deity. We don't always mean to, but the way that we are conditioned at times, it just kind of happens. For many, they fill that space of an absent parent or a parent-like figure. So it becomes easy to trust anything that they say even if it's not always accurate. If there's something that they're either speaking against or are not signing off on, you're less likely to pursue it or to become more curious about it. Or even worse, you start to feel a sense of guilt that it seems like prayer alone just is not working. And even the very thought of looking at something outside of Jesus or the church may even make you question your relationship with God and how saved you really are. Some of the most damaging things that I've seen or I've heard is God is showing you that you're worthy to be a follower of him because you have suffered. I actually read one blog where a pastor said that suffering is actually a gift that comes from God and it may even be a blessing in disguise. I was completely blown away when I read this. I just have to be honest. I couldn't believe that there are still leaders out there that would advise their congregation that you know you are marked by God because of your suffering and that suffering is a gift. So just think about that for a minute. Is it really God's will that I suffer? We know suffering comes in this life, but was that really the will of God? Or was him dying on the cross enough to show me that I am one of his and that I belong to him? Wrestling with years upon years of stress, anxiety, depression, shines God in a light that is unhealthy. So now you start to live in dual realities. Because now if I'm not suffering and things are going well, I must not be in good standing or right standing with God. If I'm finally experiencing peace, God must not be approving of who I am in him. So now that we're living in these dual realities, on one hand, the scripture says that his will is for us to prosper and be in good health. But my spiritual leader is telling me that my pervasive suffering is a gift from God. And it's how he shows he loves me. What do I believe if I've put my pastor in an improper place in my life? Not knowing what to believe or which way to go can be anxiety inducing. And it's really hard to break away from that type of thinking, when you are connected and tightly wound in a community where this is all you know, you can't afford to think outside of the box and consider that maybe this isn't exactly aligning with the will of God for me. Because what do you risk? Also, um, in previous episodes, I've talked about risk versus reward. What is the risk and what is the reward of you looking outside of the box and actually looking in God's word to understand what his will is for his people? It's impossible to live in two worlds or two realities and be spiritually, mentally, and emotionally whole. Now, do I believe in letting go and letting God? Yes. Do I believe if you turn it all over to the Lord, he'll work it out? Yes. I also believe that mental health or the state of our mental well-being is not solely spiritual. If that were the case, I would say yes, prayer is enough. Prayer should be enough. However, we are human beings walking out a spiritual experience. Because we are human beings, we experience human problems. 
Because we are experiencing human problems in the natural, we need natural tools and supports to help us through those problems. And anyone that encourages otherwise, unfortunately, is sadly misinformed. There was a study done in 2015 called Black Church Leaders' Attitudes About Mental Health Services. The study wanted to measure how Black leaders felt about seeking mental health services from outside help. The results of this study show that most church leaders are more likely to rely on internal supports rather than seeking mental health services from external professionals. What the study also found was uh, there was a correlation between frequency of church attendance and the likelihood of getting services. So the more time you spent in church, the less likely you would seek outside help. I mean, and that makes sense, right? We talked about being intertwined into our communities, our church communities, and you start to have a group think mentality. So if you are around the same people, maybe two to three times a week, you start to share the same ideologies. You start to assume your experiences are the same. So you start to assume that you can get the same outcomes if you use the same methods of treatment. And for this particular sample that was used for this study, the treatment was just reliance on each other, reliance on their community and reliance on anything of a spiritual nature. Now, it's important to also call out when we're talking about studies that are being done, correlation just shows a relationship. It doesn't show causation. So the study does not say why there was a relationship between frequency of attendance to church and not seeking outside resources but you can make some inferences or assumptions based on the outcomes of the study. So now put yourself in the shoes of the participants of this study. And if you had a group of PhD students who came to you and wanted to have you fill out a questionnaire, just asking about your attitudes toward mental health, mental health services, do you think many of your responses would fall in line with the outcomes of some of the things that this study shared? Have you taken a minute to really consider how you feel about mental health and wellness and the treatment of mental health and wellness? Or have you just relied on your own church community or your pastor? Where do you fit into all of this? It's important that you start to form your own attitudes and opinions about how you approach the conversation of mental health. Now, I want to revisit a question that I posed at the beginning of this episode. Are those that struggle with mental illness under a demonic influence? So here's my take on it. I'm just one perspective of many. Anything that causes persistent unrest is not godly. It doesn't matter if your mental health struggles are situational or biological. Both need God's light. This is why we have to be careful with what we're taking in what we're listening to, what we're reading, the conversation that we keep. If it is not feeding the light within us, then it will continue to feed the darkness. This is why I believe deliverance is a multi-step process. Um, It is continual and it requires maintenance. It is absolutely possible to start your deliverance journey at the altar. But I would even say for many of us, we would need to take it a step further and actually seek wise counsel through the help and support of a trained therapist who is trained in helping you to process, peel back layers, and how to cope. This in no way means the absence of God. In fact, your faith should be leading this process. 
Are there therapists out there who have unethical practices, who do not stick with the treatment plan, who do not have the ability to hear you're presenting problem without personal bias? Absolutely. But if faith is leading your deliverance journey and you're prayerful, you're able to be more discerning about the tools that you're using for your healing and your deliverance. So the title of today's episode is, Does Our Faith Hinder Our Healing? And I would say no, it does not hinder our healing. However, the representation of our faith has been a hindrance to our healing. The misinformation from some of our most trusted leaders in the faith and in the gospel has caused us to form unhealthy views and opinions and attitudes toward mental health and treatment of mental health. Here is how I think we can start moving toward a more informed way of looking at our own personal mental health. The first thing is to ask questions. If there is something you do not understand, if there is something that you're having a hard time connecting the dots with, do your research, be prayerful, and have a discerning spirit when you begin your journey of research. If it makes you feel better, go online and do a search for therapists that are Christian or therapists who have experience working with a faith-based community. Number two, I'd love to see pastors begin partnering with leaders in their community or professionals in their community that have an area of expertise outside of what they are able to share with their congregants. It's important that churches start to form a database of professionals that can help with the upbuilding and edifying of the whole person. I think it's also important for church leaders to begin to educate themselves on the truth about mental health and wellness and even mental illness so that you are not unintentionally sharing misinformation with your congregation. When it comes to church or our faith and mental health, it doesn't have to be an either or dichotomy. It can be this and that. You have to believe that God has blessed professionals in the mental health field to be skilled with the ability to help people navigate very tough situations. No more than he's giving the skill and wisdom to help physicians have the knowledge and wisdom to perform heart surgeries, brain surgeries, help you manage your diabetes or help you manage your high blood pressure. Management of your mental health and wellness should not be excluded from that. I'll leave you with this. In the Bible, God tells us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So if you've accepted grief or struggle as your portion in life, you are living in direct violation of that scripture. Let peace be your portion and start leaning into the abundance that was promised to each of us. Until next time.